Today we're going to talk about part two of being rich. And so, of course, I won't go back and do the intro. I would encourage you. We're going to give you a lot more than what's in your outline today. There will be some master keys, some additional scriptures that we'll go to. Follow along. Take good notes today because we're going to give you more than what's actually in that outline. The general theme of what we're talking about is that it's one thing to be rich towards yourself, but it's another thing to be rich towards God. That's right. And the goal of this message is to help all of us learn and know what it means to be rich towards God. Now, of course, you don't start reading our foundation text begins in Luke chapter 12, verse 13, but you don't start reading at verse 13 because you'll miss the context. So I just want to take us back to take us forward so that we stay in context. Jesus here is talking specifically to his disciples in verses 1 through 12, and he's really teaching them about kingdom principles, and he's teaching them about doctrinal truths, about life, and about hell, and about eternity. And the overarching theme that he wants to get across to them is that if they would fear God, they would never have to fear anything that this earth presents to them. And while he's teaching these tremendous doctrinal truths, a young man comes up to him and interrupts him, and he uses that interruption as an opportunity to teach the masses. And he says to the entire crowd, although he's making sure that the young man hears him, he's warning the entire crowd to not put their trust in possessions. That's right. He's telling them to beware of covetousness, which means greediness, and not to put your trust in your possessions. Why? Because the young man came in there interrupting Jesus and said, tell my brother to give me my money, exactly. to give me my inheritance. And their Jesus. father had just passed. Right. So, what, what's, so really, the, the parable, as we'll talk about, is really showing that even though Jesus was talking about the weightier and more important matters of life, that young man was consumed with possessions. And if there's one thing this, this period has taught all of us is we can't trust in possessions. I don't think any of us thought that we would be shut down for the last five months. I didn't think I wouldn't see you all for five whole months. Matter of fact, if you want to know the truth, when this first happened, I think we both thought oh, I'd be about a week or two and we'll all be back together. I don't think we thought that our kids would be at home this long. I know Lord I didn't. knows I didn't. Lord knows I didn't. <laughs> now, for high schools, they're talking about staying at home and having virtual learning. So I think all of this has is, is taught us to get our eyes off of stuff and get our eyes back on the one that gives us all the stuff. And so let's read our opening text. Our goal is to make sure that we learn three important truths about life, about greed, and about being generous with others. Let's read our opening text in Luke chapter 13, uh, Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Then one from the crowd said to him, teacher... Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, which literally means greediness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Verse 16, then he spoke a parable. So I think it's important to know what a parable is. A parable is a fictitious earthly story to explain a kingdom or spiritual truth. So Jesus is going to take this moment to use something that they can relate to 
to get a kingdom principle into them. And he goes on to say in this parable that, a, that the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And then I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you are the man. <laughs> you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool. Now that word fool there means without sense. I don't know about you all, but it's been said about me a few times over the course of my life, that boy don't have no sense at all. Anybody ever done something where your mother, your parents, somebody said to you, boy, you just ain't got no sense at all. That's when you're doing something that doesn't make sense. So he literally says, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So we really need to understand and know what that means, and that is the purpose and goal of this message. Last week we talked about point number one, life is more than money and possessions. We'll pick up with point number two today, life is found in being rich towards God. And so life is found in being rich towards God. So we're going to talk a little bit today about what that looks like, being rich towards God. There are actually four points that we'll have up underneath point number two, A, B, C, and D selection. So now, let's read again verses 16 through 21, and it's going to support life is found in being rich toward God. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I, I will store all my, my crops and my, my goods. goods. And I, I will say to my I. soul, soul, boy, you've done good. <laughs> You are the man. You have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you don't have any sense right now. You're acting like you don't have any sense. But this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So Jesus illustrates the truth of verse, chapter 12, verse 15. He illustrates that truth beginning at verse 16. If I can remind you very quickly, in verse 15, he turned from the young man and he looked at the entire crowd and he said, beware of covetousness or greediness. It says to the entire thousands of people, beware of it. How many of you know that's still true today? Yep. Beware of greediness. Beware of covetousness. And he says, for a man's life does not consist of the things that he possesses. That's good. 
So if you measure yourself by the kind of car you drive, you're missing life. If you measure yourself by the kind of house that you live in, you're missing life. If you measure yourself by how much money you make or how much money you have saved, you're missing life. I would challenge you to measure your life by how many other lives have gotten better as a result of the way that God has blessed you. That's good. I would ask you to measure your life since God has brought you up. How many other people have you brought up? That's how wealthy you truly are. But let's understand some principles here. This is a wealthy farmer. This man is loaded. We don't know his name. The text doesn't tell us his name, but we know that he is loaded. And he has this process of thinking that is really excellent according to the world's standards. It makes sense, right? If I'm a farmer and I have too many, too much to build bigger so that I can store what I have. How I many know that makes sense? Right? That's good, logical, worldly thinking. Put it in the bank, store it up. All of that is great logic and worldly thinking. So the man responds wisely by recognizing the problem of his overabundance. Jesus presents this man as an intelligent farmer. The farmer did what was only reasonable. So Jesus was not faulting the man for having plans. The fault was in that he didn't include anyone else in those plans. Mm -hmm. And so anytime you structured your your life and you planned your life where it really consists of me, myself, and I, heaven's going to have a problem with that. That's right. Especially when heaven has given you an abundance. All right? And so this is a real master key. I can't wait to get into it today. It's interesting that the moment we started talking about this last Sunday, it ignited all kind of supernatural stuff here at Linked Up Church. Linked Up Church in this week has experienced stuff that it's never experienced before, and I believe because the focus is outward and not inward. And so we'll pick up with letter A from right there. So the foolish farmer made several crucial mistakes that we're going to make sure that we don't make in our lives. You know, when I was preparing for this, I looked up what being rich towards God was talking about. And that word towards, because it's easy to overlook this word towards. But when I looked it up in the Greek, it's the Greek word ice. And what it literally means is to have the purpose of, to be for an intent of one mind and to fulfill. So then in essence, what he's saying is, when we are not operating in the mind of God, when we fail to pursue God's purpose for our life, when we don't uh, operate for the intent of being like God, we fail. We're not being rich towards him, and that's what being rich towards him means. Now, what does being rich towards God mean? Letter A, acknowledging God as the provider. Acknowledging God as a provider, the farmer failed to acknowledge God's generous provisions. It was God who blessed this farmer. It was God that made his ground good. It was God that prospers him. It was God that caused the sun to shine. It was God that caused the rain to fall. It was God that caused his harvest to prosper. In fact, he ain't have nothing to do with the seed. But yet he said it was because my wisdom and my abilities got my profit. I will build bigger barns and bigger things. Man had nothing to do with the seed. 
Man had nothing to do with the ground. Man had nothing to do with the sun that shined. Man had nothing to do with the rain that fell. Yet God prospered him. And he failed to recognize that it was God that gave him his provision. Always acknowledge that God is the one who has given you your wealth and your possessions. God has given you the breath in your body. Scripture tells us that it is in him that we live and move and have our being. If you can blink your eyes, God made it so. If you can breathe, God made it so. If you can move, God made it so. If you can speak, God made it so. So how much more, how much more the things that you possess, God made it so. Always, always, always take a moment. When you are finding yourself in a position where you want to complain about something, just go look in the mirror. And for whatever it is that you can do, the fact that you have breath in your body, I don't care if you're in a wheelchair, I don't care where you are. If you have the ability to think and to be, you thank God for that. That's being rich towards God. That's being rich towards God. James chapter 1, verse 17 in the Amplified, I love the way this lays it out. He says, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, the creator and the sustainer of the heavens, in whom there is no variation, no rising or no setting or shadow cast by his turning, for he is perfect and never changes. If it's good and it's in your life, then it's of God. Now, note this. Things may be good to you, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for you. I come from the world of business. I know many people who believe God for this big extravagant home. And they scratched and they pulled and they robbed and they stole and they hid so that they could have what it took to get this big extravagant home. And it looked like a blessing on the outside. Yeah. Till three or four years later, they call in to talk about how can I get this house off my books because they're about to foreclose. So differentiate what may seem good to you versus what's good for you. So a good principle there then if it takes you away from God, it's not good. It's not good. And so even in this man, this parable, his wealth and his possessions did not provoke him towards God. It provoked him more towards himself. Therefore, he failed to understand that it, because it seemed good, it was good to him, but it wasn't good for him. Second Corinthians chapter nine, I love this. Second Corinthians nine, eight through 11 in the message. I'm gonna read it to you because it simply says it, it's all by itself. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything. More than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living and his right giving ways never run out and never wear out. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more extravagant with you. He gives you something you can give away which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, it says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant in the earth, which he swore unto thy fathers as, as it is this day. It is God that gives us the ability to get wealth. So what does it mean to be rich towards God? To be not only to be rich in our possessions, but realize that our possessions are meant to be shared. 
We have plenty of things that we did not earn. We have plenty of things that we don't deserve. We have plenty of things that we could not work for. One is eternal life. One is salvation. One is righteousness. One is justification. One is redemption. We have plenty of things that we didn't earn. So it's only right we, being the children of God, made in his image, would distribute to others that which they might not have earned out of our own thanksgiving to who he is. That's so good. I think a good way to act on that is to take a moment and let's just thank God for yes. every good thing that he's blessed us yes, with Father, in this life. Yes, Father, we thank you. Make it personal your to you. Your grace. Father, thank I just you thank you joy. for my wife. I thank you for thank my you. children, Father. Thank you, Father. I thank you for a place to husband, work, Father. Children, I thank you for things. income, Father. I thank you for food. I'm just thankful and I'm grateful for everything that you have provided. And I recognize and acknowledge you as the good gift giver. Yes. And anything good in my yes. lives, Father, I know there's nothing in and of myself. I'm not good. If I'm good, it's because you're good. Father. Yes, Father. And I thank you for it yes, right now. Thank you. Thank you for everything that I possess in my life. I know it all came from you, and I don't take any of it for granted. Yes, Father. Thank you, Father. Just taking a moment to do that makes you rich towards God. Yes. Not asking for more, not wanting more, not saying my name is Jimmy and God, I want you to give me all that you can, but just stopping for a moment and saying, Father, I thank you for everything that I currently have makes you rich towards God. That's right. Let her be here. The farmer assumed that he was in charge of his wealth and his possessions. He assumed that he was in charge. How do we know that? He only consulted with himself. He never consulted with God. When God blesses you with something, the first thing you want to discipline yourself to do is to ask God, is this for me or is this for someone else? Mm. God, is this something you're trying to get to me or is this something you're trying to get through me? So important to stop and ask yourself every time, God blesses you to understand what is the purpose of that blessing. This farmer thought he knew what was best, what was the best thing to do with his personal wealth. I want you to write this down. My occurs four times. It should be in your notes as well. My occurs four times. I occurs eight times. So 12 times he consults himself about what to do. And zero times does he consult God. Mm. So he believed with all of his heart, he was the reason for everything that he had. Fool. That's why he said he was a fool. He believed he was. Listen, folks, I'm telling you right now, I am not smart enough. I don't have the wisdom to build this building. This is a gift from God, and I'm thankful for it. I won't take one ounce of credit for it. I won't even begin to think that, look at what I did. Because listen to me, folks, the one thing you've got to understand it is once you get there, as quick as you got it, yep. And I'll yep. leave that alone. Yep. Let's say lie. Pause and let's all think about that for a moment. So God wants us to rely totally upon him. 
we as Christians have to understand that we don't own anything. And there's no greater proof than that than when we, when I, whenever we do a home going, they don't take all of the person's possessions and put them in the casket. They don't drive a Hertz up behind the, uh, or a, a U-Haul truck up behind the, the Hertz with all of the person's possessions. They don't dig a sec- separate hole, put all the possessions. All of it stays in the earth when we leave. So we are not owners. We are stewards. We are managers of everything that God has blessed us with. The purpose of it is is that as God has freely given to us, he has an expectation that we freely give to other people. Everything that I have is a free gift from God, and I'm thankful for it. Now, that doesn't mean I didn't go to school. That doesn't mean I didn't earn a degree. I mean, that didn't mean I didn't do certain things to put myself in position. But I give God all the glory for placing it on the heart of the people to give me a scholarship to college. Everything that I happened was still God touching somebody else's heart to help me get in position to be who I am today. That's right. And I give him the glory for it. Let's read further. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and let's read verses 12 through 15. I'll read out of the Passion Translation, and then I've added this verse for the media department, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. I'm going to read that out of the Passion Translation right after I read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 12 through 15. It says here, this picks up from where she left off in verse 11. It says, this priestly ministry you are providing through your offering not only supplies what is lacking for God's people. Folks, I want to challenge the church today. It was never the government's responsibility to take care of the poor. That was always the church's responsibility. And we need to get back to that. Says here, what is lacking in God's people? It inspires an outpouring of praises and thanksgiving to God himself. Every time we bless someone less fortunate than us, it inspires them to give praise and thanksgiving to God. For as your extremely generous offering meets the approval of those in Jerusalem, it will cause them to give glory to God all because of your loyal support and allegiance to the gospel of Christ, as well as your generous-hearted partnership with them towards those in need. Verse 14, because of this extraordinary grace which God has lavished on you, I just want to stop and pause there for a moment. It is God's extraordinary grace that you are in the position that you're in right now. That's right. Oh, Lord. That's right. Don't miss this. I promise you don't miss this. It is because of God's extraordinary grace that you are in the position that you're in right now. That's right. The reason Linked Up Church is in the position that it's in is not because of Joel and Patricia Gregory. It is because of God's extraordinary grace that he has bestowed upon us. That's right. And all God is saying is, is to acknowledge that what I've done for you is extraordinary. If you're not lacking anything and you've been in this pandemic the entire time, that's extraordinary. 
And somebody ought to thank God for that right now. That's right. If you've continued to work, if you have not lost any income, if you still have your house, if you still have a car to drive, if you still have, if you're traveling, if you're going on vacation, it is because of God's extraordinary grace. And we need That's to acknowledge right. that and, give, and give God glory for that and give him thanks for that. Thank you for your extraordinary grace, which God has lavished on you. They will affectionately remember you in their prayers. So God says, when you use what I've extraordinarily graced you with, it's going to cause the people that you bless to pray for you. It's going to cause them to get on their knees and pray to God on your behalf. Folks, everything good happening to us is because people are praying for us. Yes, yes, yes. People are praying for Linked Up Church. People are praying for Joel and Patricia. People are praying for you. I'm saying because somebody, my grandmother, was praying for me. Yes. It says, praise God for his astonishing gift, which is far too great for words. You know, even when things weren't, aren't, weren't so good, because we've experienced a lot personally within our t on our team, not only during this season, but just 2020 has been a, a year. And we're just getting over the hump of the first half of it. But you've prayed us through. You've prayed us through. And we're praying you through. We're committed to praying for each and every one of you, the body of Christ as a whole. You know, I want to acknowledge three icons in the civil rights movement that passed this year. Joseph Laurie, C.T. Vivian, the latest was John Lewis. We're talking about, yeah, we refer back to money, possessions, and things like that. But it was their wisdom and their gift of service that put us in this position. That put us in the position that we could be where we are today. It was their sacrifice and their heart's commitment, men of God, that took the stance of nonviolence, that took the stance of what's right, as John Lewis would say, be, being willing to be in good trouble. Yeah. Scripture calls it this, all things may be lawful, but it's not always expedient. It was people like that, men and women like that, that allow us to have what we have today. So even if you don't have great possessions, even if your bank account seems to hit negative at least once a quarter, if you have the gift of service, you have wisdom, you have knowledge, you have something to give. Yeah. And greater than that, if you are committed to the light of Christ, you have eternal life to share. So we want to challenge you all. If you want to honor those three giants, make sure you go out and vote this year. Because they took stripes. They took beatings. They shed blood just so that we could have the right to vote. You want to pay that forward? Don't sit at home and complain. Use your vote as your power to honor those three icons. Not just your vote. Complete that census. There's not money in your community because people aren't completing their census. So fulfill your census count. So good. I didn't think about that. That's so good. Yeah. We complain about what we don't have, but we don't do the things to get what we need. My That's another story. Right. Let's not get off. Yeah. So Proverbs see. chapter 3, oh, verses okay. 5 through 10. Slow down. I know you're <laughs> excited this morning. I want to make sure you get this master key, okay? Proverbs 3, 5 through 10. If you'll receive this, I'm going to share something with you, but it's up to you to receive it. I've been living this for 31 years. If you'll receive it, it'll bless your life. 
We're talking about in letter B, the farmer assumed he was in charge of his wealth. The wisest thing you could ever do is everything that comes into your hands, acknowledge God about what to do with it before you do anything with it. I hope you heard what I just said. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, trust in the Lord completely. I'm reading in the Passion Translation. And do not rely on your own opinions. All of your heart rely on him to guide you, and he will lead you in every decision you make. That's good. Not some of them, every decision, if you will acknowledge him. Become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. See, that was the farmer. Don't think for a moment. For wisdom comes when you adore him with an undivided devotion and avoid everything that is wrong. That's good. Then you will find healing refreshment for your body and your spirit longs for. Because at the end of the day, a healthy spirit and a healthy body is far greater than having money and possessions. Mm. That's the truth. Verse 9 says, glorify God with your wealth, honoring him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you. Now, again, you receive this for if you can. I don't honor God on the 1st and the 15th only. Every time God increases me, I honor him. So somebody handed me $100 today. There's a percentage of that that does not belong to me, and I honor God. And what I'm saying is, God, you led that person to do this for me, so I want to honor you with the increase that has come into my life. There are other times, like yesterday, I was, this never happened to me before, I was at Starbucks, and uh, the person in front of me, I go to pay for mine, and the lady says, the person in the car said to upgrade your drink, get you the largest drink that you ordered, and, and, and give it to you. And then the person said that you would try to pray for the car behind you, so they paid for the car behind you, and the person told me not to accept any money from you. That just blew me away. I'm sitting in that line like, man, I have never seen nothing like I, I couldn't wait to get home and share that with her. But more importantly, I told the lady there, okay, I'll find opportunities today to pay that forward. So I went to go get my car wash, and I left one of the most generous tips I've ever left in my life. I went to go get a pedicure. My toes feel so good right now. Went to go get a pedicure, and I left the, the person the largest tip that I've ever left. And so notice, I'm always thinking about when I'm increased, who can I increase? That's right. That's right. Because when you become a born-again Christian, you're a conduit. You're a vessel. And in, in that vessel, there's times where you keep, but most often there's times where you share. And you're just a, just a, 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 a conduit by which God can use you to funnel to other people so that what he said, he can be glorified and so that he can establish his covenant in the earth. Every time, again, you, you receive it for wherever you can, wherever you're at in your faith journey, Right. But every time God increases you, think about honoring him. Then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. Mm. Folks, I am so happy on the inside right now. I don't know what to do, man. 
There's such an inner joy that I have right now, and I know it comes from just being a blessing to other people. That's what gives me the greatest joy is helping other people. That's right. That's right. So then letter C. And you know what? You can never outdo God. Can't do it. So every time you want to be a blessing to other people, he was like, oh, wait. He, he can't outdo me because God will not be outdone. So he continues to funnel yep. through you. Let us see. Realize that time is a matter of faith. Realize that the time you have is a matter of faith. The farmer thought he had plenty of time. The farmer really believed he had plenty of time to enjoy because he said, hey, I'm going to build these bigger barns, store it up. I'm going to eat, drink, be happy, and chill for a season. And then, he, then that's, when the, that's when the Spirit of God says, you fool, your life will be taken from you this day. Matthew chapter 6 verse 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. It is God who sustains us in each day. In fact, Hebrews talks about now faith is. Faith is always right now. We're believing God for every situation and every instance. Whether we take it for granted or not, it is him that causes each moment to pass in our lives. Right. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, I love the way the Passion Translation puts it. He says, refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. The, uh, the King James says, sufficient unto the day is the evil unto the day. So in other words, there's enough to deal with today for rather than for you to be all vested up and tied up and twisted about tomorrow. And that's what worry and fear comes from. Worry and fear and doubt, depression and anxiety comes from the anticipation of something that's, that's yet to happen. It's not associated with what's happening right now. It's stuff that has yet to happen because we're not focused on the goodness and the things that we're experiencing today. We're already anticipating the negativity that could happen. So worrying about tomorrow causes us to lose the victory that God has provided for us today. Today, exactly. James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14 in the Passion says it like this. Listen, those of you who are boasting today or tomorrow will go into another city and spend some time and go into business and take and make heaps of profit. This is James, the pastor. He says, verse 14, but you don't have a clue what tomorrow may bring. For your fleeting life is but a warm breath of air that is visible in the cold only for a moment, then vanishes away. Listen, coming off of what I just came off of, each day is a gift. And you don't know what tomorrow is. And you can prepare for tomorrow. Nothing's wrong with having plans, goals, purposes, and pursuits. Nothing's wrong with that. But understand that you are to wear it loosely. Understand that each day could be your threshold, your gateway towards heaven. That each day, each moment could present to you that door that is unlocked before you towards heaven. So you honor each moment and each day for what it is. And as you have your plans, as you have your goals, and as you have your purposes and your pursuits, that's great. Pursue them. But know and understand that you take none of that to heaven. What you take to heaven are the people that you've influenced, the people that you've loved, the people that you have brought along with you, the people that you've shared the gospel with, the people that you've sown into, the people that you've served. That's when you know that you're storing up treasures for heaven and not just in this earth. That's so good. And we'll close right here. Letter D. We'll close right here for today. The farmer did not share his abundance. <laughs> but he kept it for his own private use. The farmer did not share his abundance, 
but he kept it for his own private use. Remember, he said to himself, so take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. He feels no concern or responsibility for anyone else other than himself. So the essence of greedy is keeping for yourself what resources God has blessed you with. God liberally gives to you so that you can liberally give to other people. And we've got a challenge for you this week. A lot of people don't know the real blessing in giving to other people and being a blessing to other people. It does more for you than it actually does for the person that you're giving it to. Luke chapter 12, verses 32 through 34, the New King James Version says, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, I don't know how many parents out here, but it is, man, my heart to bless my kids. It, man, it, it is the greatest joy of my life to, to man, I, I don't know if there's, other than blessing my wife, I don't know if there's anything that makes me happier than to really bless my children. I need you all to understand, it is your father's good pleasure to give you everything that's in his kingdom. Healing, healing is in his kingdom. Provision is in his kingdom. Everything that you need is in his kingdom, and it's his good pleasure to give it to you. Mm -hmm. Then notice what he says, though. When he gives it to you, listen to, the, listen to the responsibility that comes along with that. Sell what you have. See, sometimes he'll give it to you to sell it. No, it's quiet in this room right now. He says, sell what you have and give alms. Alms are gifts to the needy, to the poor and needy. I think we can all sell some of the extra that we have. It's tough in this building today. I need help online right now. <laughs> I need help online right now. I need to fill it Maybe through we the airway. That screen right up now. that tells that shows the response. I wish I could lift that screen up right now and just see somebody encouraging me right now, <laughs> because all of us can sell a little bit of the extra that we have, and not go buy bigger, but use it to be a blessing to those that are less fortunate than us. You know, I, I just recently gave away my previous vehicle, and I got a chance to go and see the person that I gave it to, that we, we gave it to. And listen, man, when I saw it, I hugged it. I missed my baby boy. I mean, I just, but to that person, this was like a Maserati. Uh, this, it was like an airplane like a, this, G12. It something. was sitting in the garage all by itself. It had just been waxed and cleaned. And so I told him, I said, I want it back. I miss it. But here's my point. And the wife was so blessed. The kids were so blessed. Here's my point. That meant more to me. That they were so blessed. Seeing that, that this was the greatest that they have ever experienced in their lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you've never experienced the joy of that, you are missing out on life. Every time you get a new car, doesn't mean you're to trade in the old one. They might give you a little bit for it, but the gift heaven will give you for helping somebody that's less fortunate will be far greater than that trade-in value that the dealership would give. Right, Linked Up Church has been 
uh, a vessel and people donating their cars, asking us, hey, if there's somebody out there that needs a car to get to church, would you find somebody to give this car to? Thank you. All the time. Yes, on a regular basis. Let's close. Let's read these verses. Sell what you have, give alms, provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. Now, hold on. So when I sell and give to somebody, that creates a money bag for me. Mm. I don't have time to talk about this. I'm going to get into this which in the do not next grow week. Old, which do not grow old. So in other words, what's happening in the, in the economy does not fa- affect my money bag. You're missing this right now. Keep, keep reading. Keep reading. Okay. I, I can get stuck reading, right there. It's, a, it's so good. It's a treasure in the heavens that, that does, does not fail. fail. Every time I give to somebody less fortunate than me. Where no I'm, I'm going to talk some more about this next week. Where no thief approaches, nor moth destroys. In other words, it's untouchable. You can't touch my money bag. Mm. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Mm. You can never separate your heart from your treasure. You want to see somebody's heart? Follow their treasure. Mm. I'll close right here. Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35, the Passion Translation. Somebody type in this. It's too long to type in, so you can't do it. Never mind. Ne- never mind, right? Never mind. <laughs> right? But this is what God wants linked up church to look like. And all the believers were one mind and one heart. Selfishness was not a part of their community. Mm. Matter of fact, all the linked up believers were of one mind and one heart. There was no selfishness in the linked up community of believers. For linked up shared everything that they had with one another. The apostles gave powerful testimonies about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great measures of grace rested upon them all, not just on the pastors, on the entire community of linked up church. And I love this. Some who owned houses, plural. So you should believe God to own houses so you can give one away. I didn't get nothing in this room again. I need something online. You should believe God to own multiple pieces of land so you can give some of it away. Even if you don't want it for you, believe for for somebody else. And they sold them and brought the proceeds before the apostles to distribute to those without. And not a single person among them at linked up church was needy. Mm. That's ultimately where God wants us to get to. There's not one person in our community is ever needy. And I'm going to talk to you all about an opportunity uh, here in a moment as we conclude this message. This week's challenge for you. Here's your challenge for this week. I want you to ask God, what do you have in your possession that he wants you to sell or share with someone else? It's quiet again in this room. Oh, you all are typing. Okay. All right. All right. (laughs) Once he reveals this to you, then step out in faith and do it. Yes. This week. Yes. What do you have in your possession that he wants you to sell or share with somebody less fortunate than you? Once he reveals it to you, then step out on faith 
and do it this week. I want to read Isaiah 1, chapter 19 out of the Passion Translation. Uh, I'm going to read it on the confidence monitor. It says, if you have a willing heart to let him help you, remember, he's trying to help you right now. You're thinking about somebody else, but God's trying to help you more than the person he wants you to help. This is going to do more for you than it will for the person that you're trying to help. If you have a willing heart to let him help you, if you will obey me, God says, you will feast on the blessing, blessings of an abundant harvest. That is so good. If you'll be willing and obedient, you will feast on the blessings of an abundant harvest. If you all would afford me one more minute and 45 seconds, play that video for me because giving does more for your heart than the people that you're being a blessing to. It's Play easy that video to think that when we give, not much happens. That's because we tend to think of it as a single transaction. We give, they get. The end. But what if there is more to the story? What if God is doing more than we know with our gift? Good news. He is. When we give, we are doing more than we know. Because God does more than we could imagine in three key ways. God works through us. We become a pipeline through which his blessings flow. Instead of holding tightly to what he has given us, we must let it overflow into the needy world around us, allowing God's glory to shine. God works with us. We become partners in his mission to renew and restore all things to himself. Through our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness, we join in the gracious work he has already begun. We become co-creators, shaping his world for good. God works in us. We become participants in his work of grace within our own hearts. Our giving helps transform us, even as we bless others. And as we align our treasure with what he treasures, we reveal the work he is doing in our hearts to make us more like Jesus. What happens when we give? More than we could ever imagine. Give generously and discover what God can do because of you. Praise God. Together we can do more. See, really the gracious work that he does in your heart when you give is really the true transformation that's taking place because he's uprooting selfishness and greediness out of you and causing you to be more like him. So I want to challenge you. Don't let this week get out without you fulfilling that weekly challenge. Now, if you're watching today and you don't have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I'd like to lead you in a short prayer. Maybe you're watching today and you're saying, Pastor, I am saved but I got away from God, and I need to come back to Him today. I want to rededicate my life. I want to recommit my life back to God. If either one of those two invitations apply to you today, wherever you're watching us from right now, if you would, just put your hand right over your heart, and I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died, rose from the grave, and he is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result, what I've confessed with my mouth, what I believe in my heart, I am right now 
born again, in right relationship with God, and all my sins are forgiven in Jesus' name. Praise God. Would you all just help me rejoice with them right now? We believe with all of our hearts that someone out there or several people out there, you prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart. Follow the direction that's on the screen right now. We have uh, several ways that we can connect with you. Fill out that card. We'll follow up with you that way. If you prayed that prayer sincerely, someone will see it and someone will follow up with you. Thank you so much for watching our online service. We certainly don't take that for granted. And if you enjoyed today's message and you want to get connected with us, we encourage you to become a part of our online community. That's right. And you can do that by subscribing to our YouTube channel, sharing this video with a friend, and following us on social media. Don't forget to meet us right here on this channel every Sunday for our services. If you desire to help us reach more people just like yourself and advance the kingdom of God, then click the Give button now. This will allow us to connect more people to God, their families, their purpose, and their communities. Thank you again for watching our service on today, and we'll, we'll see, see you next week. week.